0: ...setting up and tearing down and stuff this morning, so... Um, but hey, really thankful for you guys being here, um, and just, uh, it, it, it's a... Uh, we're thankful that we get to gather and meet, right? Yeah. Yeah, that we get to, to worship our Savior together, that we, that we get to um, open up His Word and spend some time growing in the Word together this morning, and so um, all of this is a blessing and a privilege, and so it's, it's good, um, good to gather with you. I hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Um, it's uh, it's uh, been, been busy. We were down in Texas for a few days seeing family, so um, we uh, got to enjoy some 65-degree weather while you guys got a snowstorm, but um, that's okay. Um, hey, but real quick, I just want to point out a couple things to you. So um, here in just a few minutes, uh, we are going to um, have our, our Christmas Eve service, our first Christmas Eve service that we've ever had. Um, and so here's what my, my challenge to you um, as a church is we would love for you um, to, to grab these cards and we would love for you to invite at least five people you know. Uh, five people that, that, that maybe don't have a church home, maybe that, that aren't connected anywhere, we will be up, back upstairs by then, I promise you. Um, and so so I would love, we put a few of these on each of your seats, so I would just encourage you, in the next few weeks, be praying and looking for opportunities where you can hand this to someone and invite someone to join you and your family on Christmas Eve. And if you're not... If you don't have any plans for Christmas Eve, yeah, we would love to invite you to be here with us. And so um, there is a bit of that. Um, and then next Sunday, um, we're really excited, and we'll be back upstairs hopefully by next Sunday as well. But um, we we are hosting an area wide um, prayer and worship night, um, and so so we're excited to invite some other churches from the area to join and gather with us for that. Um, so I hope you guys will be able to be a part of that as well. Um, and so. So let's uh, let, let's jump into our passage for now I'm going to read through it, and then we'll pray, and we will get going this morning. And so, um, if you don't know, we've been working through um, the letter uh, of Ephesians, um, and so that's where we're continuing today in Ephesians chapter chapter four chapter four, starting in verse verse 17. And this is what Paul writes. He says, "With the Lord's authority, I say this." Live no longer as Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure, eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your uh, former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Tell us, uh, to, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for for good hard work, and you will then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your work. We thank You for the opportunity. We have to gather in this room today. Um, I, I'm thankful, Lord, for the, for the warmth we have down here. Um, Jesus, I, I just pray that over the next few moments, that, that as we work through this passage and, and, and we, we, we look at what You say um, about how we relate to one another, I pray, Lord, that we would, um, that we would live our lives in light of, of these truths, in light of the, the Gospel, Lord, that, that by Your grace... Um, we would pursue to become more and more and more like You each and every moment of each and every day. Jesus, we need You. We can't do this without You. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. If, if you weren't aware, um, this is... Uh, kids, we're glad you're in the room today. Just so you know, kids, um, we are thankful for you to be part of... Be part of this today, and so I did forget to mention a minute ago. But um, we have some kids' activity bags on this back table back here. so, kids, if you didn't get one of those, um, feel free to get up and grab one of those. You're you're all good. So, um, that there you go. Um, So it's uh, adults. They're not for you. So uh, yeah, we do have coffee though. So uh, so yeah. So so we have been working through the book of Ephesians. Um, This is Paul, um, who was an apostle. Um, He wrote this letter um, to the church in Ephesus, and and he's he's trying to encourage them in their faith. He's trying to help them pursue God with their whole heart. And so we've titled this series Seeking God and Recovering the Church because ultimately we want to seek the Lord. And as we seek the Lord, we want to get back to what Scripture says the church should be. And we are the church. And so the way we live our lives, the the, the way we walk through our lives on a daily basis is a way that we reflect who Jesus is and the gospel and what he's done for us. And so, so Paul here begins, um, last week we he began this transition from, from talking about, about, about seeking God and, and, and grounding us and rooting us in the gospel to, to, to now he is talking about, okay, how do we live as God's church in the world that he has placed us in? How, how do we live out this faith that he has called us to live? How do we do this? And so, so Paul is continuing with this thought today. He's continuing with this thought. And, and, and one of the first things that we that he notes here is, is he reminds us that we all have messy beginnings. Um, we, we all have messy beginnings. Uh, verse 17 through... Uh, through 19 uh, covers this. He says, "With the Lord's authority, I say this—not His own. This, is, this isn't His own thoughts. This is what is coming directly from God." He says, "Live no longer as Gentiles do." Now, now, understanding that that, that Gentiles is—is is this idea that that these are people who are separated from God. They are far from God. Um, he is he's not talking about Gentiles in an ethnic way, even though if you're not a Jew, you are um, a, a Gentile, according to Scripture. Um, but he's talking about a spiritual Gentile, someone who is far from the Lord. And he says, He says, Don't live as those who are far from God, because they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame since they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. You see, see, our messy beginnings runs all the way back to Genesis. Um, and if you were to go, if we were to go back to Genesis, um, we could go back there and we could look how, in the beginning, God created everything and declared that it was good. He created, um, in, in Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-seven, He says that He created man and woman in His own image. That there was no sin on the earth. And then we see that Satan creeps in and he begins to whisper in Eve's ear. And he causes her to doubt that God really is who he says he is. That that, that his goodness is really um, for them. And he, he, he creates this temptation that says, hey, don't you want to be like God? And if you want to be like God, then you need to disobey God because he's trying to keep something from you. And when Eve and Adam they, they they buy into this lie from the enemy, sin enters into the world. Uh, brokenness that we experience to this day can be rooted and found its found all the way back in Genesis chapter three. That that the messy world we live in. The, the, the brokenness that we all experience in our own lives, in our families, in our culture, all of that can be rooted in Genesis 3 when humans believe that they could be like God and that they could follow and, and become like God. And, and it's this desire to, to, to not submit to the Lord's authority, but, but rather do life how I want to do it. Pursue my own way over God's. And so we all have this messy beginning. This messy beginnings, and since that day, we have been hopelessly confused. Hopelessly confused. Our our hearts and our minds have been hardened to God, like 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 we like we because of sin. Like logic and human reason is hard to get through to somebody sometimes, right? Like 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 it's hard for us to communicate that, and so we all have these messy beginnings. They, they, it says that they've closed their minds, that they've refused to be reasoned with. They've hardened their heart. They've refused to believe. But here's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that God is able to melt the heart of stone. He is able to melt the heart of ice, So the, the one that is hardened towards him. And he, that there is no one outside of God's reach. And so this is what... Paul is reminding. He said, "Listen, we don't want to live as those who are hopelessly confused. We we don't want to live, and we don't want to go our own way any longer. We here's here's a good measuring stick for if if we are um, here's a good measuring stick for us sometimes when we look at our world and we look at our life when we when when humans decide to go our own way when we decide to live life how we think works best." Ultimately, you can start looking at the world around you and say, well, how's that going for you? And we, 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 how's that going for you? And so when we look at that and we, we begin to, to question, okay, well, how's it going for us when we live our way rather than God's? And I would say that we can look at our culture and we can look at things in our world and we say, well, that's not going very well. That that, that us trying to figure it out on our own, apart from God, ultimately doesn't lead us to a better life. It actually takes us further from God. He says, so so listen, he says, don't live this way. He says, don't live this way. He says, rather, he says, "But, but, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you heard about Jesus and if... Learn the truth that comes from him. You should learn the truth that comes from him. Listen, uh, one one of the things that we have to understand about this passage is it's it's going to give us some some directives, right? He's he's gonna give us some some ways in which we should pursue, by God's grace, a way to live. Um, but, but here's what I know. Here's what I know. If we take the the, the commands he is about to give us out of the context of the whole letter that Paul has written, then, we ha- don't, then what ends up happening is, is we have this, another set of religious rules that we have to follow and we will never be able to live up That That, that Christianity is not about being a moral, upright person. That Christianity is about believing and trusting in the, what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's about the gospel. And because of the gospel, the good news of Jesus that, that you and I could never be good enough to get our way back to God. Because we could never um, fix our lives up enough. We could never clean our lives up enough in order to make ourselves um, right in God's eyes. That Jesus had to come to this earth and he lived the life that you and I could never live. So that now we could be made the righteousness of God in him. That that this is the gospel. It's not about what you do or don't do. It's about what Jesus has done. That this is our motivation for living. And so, so if you come to this passage or any other passage and you see a set of ways in which we should be living, you have to view those through gospel lenses. That the the starting point is the gospel because we are not saved to we are not saved just to be good people. If we're saved, that's not good news at all. That's terrible news if you've ever tried to be a good person. We are not saved to be good people. We are saved to be followers of Jesus because he was the ultimate good person. This is the motivation that Paul is reminding them here in 20 and 21. The truth about Jesus, the gospel that this is what anchors us, this is what grounds us, this is our new motivation for how we will live. And, and here's, here's what happens when we try to live out of a different motivation. When we try and live out of a different motivation, uh, you, you, you will either, one, never be able to achieve it or attain it, and you will just give up and think this whole Christianity thing doesn't work and you'll walk away. You, you're like, I, I can't live up to that standard. And you're right, like, you can't. And you'll eventually just walk away and you give up. And maybe someone will invite you back to church at some point in time. And um, and you'll just keep this pattern of, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to live this life. I'm going to do it. And, and, and it's all based on your ability to do it rather than trusting in what Christ has done. So, so so, that's happened, or, or maybe on the other side of that is maybe you're a super ultra-disciplined person. And, and if that happens and you're able to actually live out these things, at least on an outward appearance, right? In, in an outward way, maybe you're able to follow most of these rules, but you—but but like we said last week, you're never able to change your heart. You're, you're never able to change your, your desire for God. And so maybe you don't become, uh, maybe you don't walk away, but maybe you just become a religious, pompous bigot and you judge everybody. And you question everybody's discipline. And you say, well, why don't you just quit? Thank you. I haven't tried the just quit method. Thank you for that, though. Thanks for speaking that into me. And these are the two, two extremes that can happen. We feel like a failure, like we will never have God's approval, and we walk away. Or or we feel like, man, I'm, through, I'm a great person. God must be really happy with me. Look at all the good things I do. And none of those, either one of those extremes is rooted in the truth of the gospel. It's not rooted in, in, in the fact that, that, that Jesus has paid it all. And this is what Paul is reminding, him, saying, listen, we have to be rooted in the truth of the gospel that we could never do it, but Jesus has done it. <coughs> and so, so this is our motivation for living. This is our motivation for living. It's, it's all got to come back to the gospel over and over and over again. Over and over again. And when our motivation is rooted in the gospel, this is what Paul says next in 22. He says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by the lust, by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, you've got to take those stinky clothes off. This is what this is what Paul is saying. He said, take those clothes off. Change your clothes. Listen, I'm, before we moved here, I did um, middle school and high school ministry for 10 years in Kansas City. Um, and that, that's a lot of years taking middle school boys to camp. Um, and let me just tell you if, you, if you've never been to camp with middle school boys, um, it doesn't smell well. Uh, uh, if you're a middle school boy room, I love you. Um, promise, use the deodorant, um, but, but but what we would do is every year we would um, we would go to camp and, and we would have um, what they, we would call color war, and so if you've ever seen that color powder you throw at each other, I mean, we, kids just loved it, we, like, we was just, it was a great, everybody looked forward to that activity during the week. Um, one year we did that activity early on in the week, and and let me tell you what, here's the here's what, the good part about doing it, I could tell every single kid that hadn't taken a shower yet. Uh, I, I could see every kid that, that had yet to take uh, a shower, to, yet to take a shower because they had blue powder in their ears and their hair. Like I was like, man, just at least go get in the lake or something. Um, but, but but this is this is what we would do. And, and, and like and, and I love middle school kids. I love them. Like, like I, middle school kids are not too cool for things for the most part. Um, one, I, I I got one middle school. I remember. This is nothing to those, but it's a good story. But, so I got a middle school kid one time, Just I was like, man, I, I, I was giving away a scooter, um, and I was like, okay, here's, here's the only requirement. This is a camp. I was like, you have to take this middle school boy's sock, put it over this Coke can, and drink the whole Coke through the sock. Um, and he did it. He loved it, man. I, it was awesome. Um, and I have a lot more of those kind of stories, but... Um, Middle school boys, the thrill. I love you. Um, and so, and so, and so, I say that because because middle school boys would tend to not change their clothes, and they get back, and parents would inevitably email me or call me and say, "Hey, my, my I noticed my kid didn't didn't shower. All, like all the clothes I packed for them are still folded nice and neat in their bag. Um, what happened?" And I was like, "Well." Guess they didn't change their clothes all week. I didn't, I, I, yeah, I guess I, I don't know. Um, I can't I can't I, I encouraged it, but um, they must have used that whole bottle of spray. I don't know. Um, and and so and so I say that because because we have to understand that 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 before Christ we're like stinky middle school boys at camp. Okay, like. And when we come to Jesus, we have to change our clothes. That, that Christ, has washed, uh, Christ has washed us completely clean. And it doesn't do us any good to go back and put on those same dirty clothes we had on before He washed us. It, it doesn't do us any good to, to, to go back to our former way of living if we have been completely clean. and 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 so so this is what Paul is trying to help us understand here. This is what Paul is trying to help us understand. When when the Bible talks about salvation, it talks about it in three ways. Um, It it talks about it in three ways. Uh, And and here's some big theological words for you with it. Um, I I spent a lot of money in college to learn these words, and so I'm giving it to you for free. Um, So the Bible talks about salvation in three ways. The first way is justification. Justification. Justification is that moment where we, uh, are, our hearts are, are, are made alive in Christ, where we are justified before God, not by what we have done, but by what He has done. And we are justified. It is the moment we put our faith in Jesus. The second way, though, that the Bible talks about salvation is it talks about, it, it's called sanctification. Kids, look to your parents and say, sanctification. There you go. You learned a the theological word, kids. Um, and and so sanctification is the process of salvation yes we are made in an instant right forever with God where we can spend eternity yes that's justification but there is this process of salvation where we are becoming more and more and more like Jesus that's sanctification it's it's, it's growing into him more and more and more each and every day this is the, the sanctification the third way is glorification Uh, which is where either uh, Christ returns or or, or we die, whichever happens first, Um, and we will be forever with God at that point. But today, what Paul is talking about here, he is talking about sanctification. The process of becoming more and more like Jesus. The the, the taking off your old sinful nature and, and your former way of life and putting on your new nature. This is what sanctification is. And it is a daily choice to say okay God I I want to be more like you Jesus Jesus, I need you to help me help change my heart change my 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 my, my affections change the things I desire change the things I am going after sanctification it's it's coming back to him every single day saying God I need you to change me and this happens because of the spirit he says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Well, how does the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes? One through prayer. Like, how often are we asking God to change our hearts? How often are we asking God to change our, our thoughts? How often are we asking God to change the things we are going after in life? Or are we just sort of hoping it happens? We tell you, we will never drift towards Jesus. Like we will never drift towards Jesus on accident, that it has to be an intentional pursuit every single day. That we have to make up our minds before our feet hit the floor in the morning that Jesus, I need you today and I want to become more like you and I know I can't do that on my own. And it's this daily pursuit of Jesus every single day. relentless desire for more and more of him trusting his ways are better than your ways remembering his thoughts are higher than your thoughts we have to change our clothes and so so here's four quick, uh, four quick marks of, of what this can look like and, and here's what I would just say I, I would say that, that this is in no means an exhaustive list I don't think Paul intends this to be an exhaustive list here okay I, I don't think that that's Paul's intention here. But, but he's trying to help us see how we relate to one another within the church. Okay? So, so we can't read this outside of the context that this was written to a group of people that are doing life together. This is, this is the intention in the context of who, of who he's saying this to. Okay? So he says this um, in verse 25. He says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. So so stop telling lies. Here's here's one of, I think there's two things that we need to see here. One, we need to make sure that we are truth tellers. We need to take off lies and and we need to put on truth telling, okay? But this doesn't just go for one another. I, I think we are still growing in community with one another, and so we're learning to tell one another the truth, um, right? But, but, but simultaneously, we need to remember that we have to tell ourselves the truth, that we like to lie to ourselves about ourselves. We can lie to ourselves and say that it's not really that bad. My, my, my sin or my, my thing I'm sure thats it's not really that big a deal. Or, or maybe maybe it's rather maybe maybe you're lying to yourself about you, you just think man I am just the, the worst. there's no way that God can be pleased with me there's no way that God can be happy with me. there's, there's no way and, and, and we're lying to our and I think that that is probably the danger for us more of us more than lying to one another at this point that, that we want to lie to ourselves and we have to remember that Satan is the father of lies. that that, that he is like a lion ready to steal, kill, and destroy your faith. That that this is what Satan is after. He's after, he is the one whispering in your ear those lies. Like sometimes I think we we think Satan um, comes at us like, um, wants to come at us like like a monster, right? Like it's like, it's very obvious that it's Satan, right? Like I think Satan is way more clever than that and he's going to be deceptive and he's going to get in your ear he's just going to begin whispering, trying to get you to doubt who God's approval of you, trying to get you to doubt God's goodness, trying to get you to doubt that God really is who he says he is, just like he did with Adam and Eve, all the way back in Genesis. This is what the enemy is going to do. And if we're not careful, that we can begin believing those lies. Can I just, like, nobody talks to you more than you. Nobody talks to you more than you. Like, you talk to yourself more than I will ever get to talk to you. More than your wife will ever talk to you, your husband, or or whoever. Like, you talk to you more than you do. And what are you telling you? Do you find yourself telling yourself lies? Jesus is the truth. And we need to take note, okay, is what I'm saying actually the truth? Is what I'm saying actually the truth? The next thing here that he says in verse 26, though, he says, he says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And anger gives a foothold to the devil. So we need to take off uncontrolled anger. And we need to put on humility and gentleness. Okay? Okay? So, so here, here here's one of the things that we have to, to understand, okay? Anger is a real emotion given to us by God. Anger itself is not bad. It is not a sin to be angry. It's a sin to be angry about un it, it's a sin when we become angry about things that are selfish in nature. God, we see Jesus become angry in the New Testament, right? Jesus goes into the temple. They are preventing the the, 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 the Gentiles from being able to come into the Gentile court and, and see and know and experience and worship God. So what does Jesus do? He flips the, tab- the tables, right? He, he chases them out of the temple with a whip, right? Like Jesus was a ferocious dude, by the way, not this like cute robe flowing person we see in the movies a lot of times like, like Jesus was a ferocious man's man and, and I would just say that it is okay to be angry over unrighteousness and injustice in our world when we see injustice that should make stir an emotion of anger inside of us that, that, that should stir like, a frustration and a heartbreak in our culture it, it, when we see sinfulness but, but, but in my experience, in my own life, my, my anger oftentimes is not about, it's not about sinful, sin in our world. It's not about injustice in our world. Oftentimes my anger is about me not getting my way. Uh, oftentimes I'm angry because things are not happening the way I think they should be happening. I, I, I'm angry because I am not the one in control. I, I, I'm angry and frustrated because somebody's not doing something on my timetable. As quick as I think they should be doing it. And this would be unrighteous anger. When, when 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 everything in our lives revolves around ourselves. When, when it's all about me. And I'm getting angry because of how things affect me. I, I, if you're a parent in the room, like this is like a daily battle. This is a daily battle because our kids aren't doing what we want to do, them to do most of the time, and oftentimes that's about us, not about them. We have to, we have to, by God's grace, put off the anger that is consumed with self, and put on, and put on humility and gentleness towards others. Humility and gentleness towards others. Next thing he says, he says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for hard work and give generously to others in need. So, so he's saying, hey, we have to put off. Stealing and put on generosity. We have to, we have to put off stealing and, and put on generosity. Stealing is once again about self. Stealing is about what you think you deserve, what you think it, it, you should have claim to. And and so 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 here's I know I don't I don't know if we have any bank robbers in the room. If we do, we're glad you're here. Um, but 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 for the most part, I think. I think for us, one of the things we have to think about when we think about stealing is, okay, how am I stealing time from my boss at work? Right? Like, how am I stealing? Um, maybe maybe, maybe, maybe it's just a small thing here and there. It's a, it's a, it's a way, you know, maybe I, maybe I expensed expense something at work that, that was sort of questionable whether that should be expensed or not. When you think, well, I, I deserve it. Look at all the hours I put in Look at, look at how I do this or that. And, and ultimately, ultimately God would say, oh, be, be generous. I think as, 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 as people, we, we should be the most generous people on the planet as followers of Jesus because Jesus has been the most generous to us. He, is, he, is, he owns it all and He's given us everything we need in Him. We are generous because Jesus is generous towards us. So we live generous lives. We, we, we look at, at, at the people and the needs of, of those <coughs> around us. We think, hey, God has given me a way to meet that need. And, and so, so I give generously in that way. And so, so here's, and so here's what I'm going to say. And I, I, this is an uncomfortable thing for me to say. Okay, I, I don't like talking about money. It's awkward. It's weird. So just know that that's my, my heart behind this. Okay? Like, like as part of this church, we are a church plant. Right now, we, we exist because there are people that do not attend this church all over the world. Like there are people all literally all over the world that are contributing to the finances here at the church. That, that, that are allowing this church to be in existence, for, for us to, to, to be here, to, to proclaim the gospel in the foothills. That will only last for a season. That's only going to last for a season. And over the next three years, um, we have to find a way to become self-sustaining as a church. And so so God, by His grace, so many of you have already stepped in and started giving. and I am so thankful for your generosity. I'm so thankful for your your willingness to step in and say, hey, I want to be a part of what God's doing here. I want to be a part of advancing the gospel through this church to the foothills and beyond. And, And I'm so thankful for that. But I would just invite you... I would just encourage you, if you haven't started giving, I would just just encourage you to pray with God that. Like, I'm not asking you to give a certain amount. I'm asking you to start somewhere. If you've never given before, what what does it look like for you to start just just a a small amount? and Say, hey, I just want to get in the game. I want to be a part of what God is doing here through through giving. and And so I say that this morning. Because I think that we should be the most generous people on the planet. I think that, that we, if we are going to advance the gospel, we are going to be able to partner with others who can help us advance the gospel. If we can partner with other organizations in the area and around the world that are advancing the gospel. We have to learn to be a generous people. And so, so I would just encourage you in that way today. Um, and, so, and so then lastly, he goes on here. He goes on here and he says, uh, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That the words we speak ought to be life-giving. The words we speak ought to be life-giving. That, we, be life-giving. that, that we have to, I, I, think, I, I think I forgot to put the slide in this one, we have to put off, put off abusive language. And we have to put on encouragement. Okay? That the words that come out of our mouths, people should be able to see and hear and experience Jesus when they talk to us. Like, 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 like if I let me just Miss Helen is a great example. I think of this. Okay, if you if you're if you're here, you probably got a hug from Miss Helen when you came in this morning. Okay, um, but but Helen is one of the most encouraging. She she is always in speaking encouraging words. For me. She's always saying saying, hey, I I I'm doing great. God is good. And she's always speaking words of encouragement. Now, now does that mean we can't ever be down? No, that's not what I'm saying. But but I am saying that, 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 that when that there there should be something about us that when we speak, that people take note that something is different about us. That that, 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 that Jesus is, is controlling our speech. And so then here we go. Last one. Uh, verse 30. No, uh, yeah, verse 30. Uh, He says, And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember that He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You see, we have to, and this last part is, is a summary, I think, but, but he wraps it up well in the last sentence. You see, we have to put off unforgiveness, and we have to put on forgiveness. That, that, that when, when, listen, we are going, there are going to be times that we sin against each other in this room, that, 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 this, that this church are going to experience that from other Christians because we're all still a work in progress. And because of that, we have to learn, okay, I, I, I need to forgive this person of that. I need, to, in my own heart, whether they ever hear me say those words or not, I need to work on forgiveness because unforgiveness only hurts you. It doesn't hurt the other person like you think it does. Unforgiveness breathes in your heart like a cancer that's slowly eating away at you and we have to learn forgiveness for one another. We have to learn forgiveness for those that are not here. We, and and, and here's, what we have, here's what we must understand. Forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Should we strive for reconciliation? Absolutely. But reconciliation is a process that takes a lot longer than forgiveness. We have to make up our minds and our hearts that no matter what someone has done, I'm going to forgive them. Now, now I may not arrive at that overnight, and I may have to come back to that that over and over again. I may have to say, okay, um, I'm feeling these emotions again. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling betrayed. I'm feeling these wounds. Okay, God, help me to forgive And we do this because Christ has forgiven you. When you think about all the ways that you have sinned and I have sinned, and we think about how Jesus on the cross, He put those sins on Himself so that we could be forgiven. That He cast our sins as far as the east is from the west so that we could be in relationship with our Father in heaven. You see, the the idea that we have to come to over and over again, and I've I've said this in here before and I'm going to keep saying it, that all of these things are based on what Christ has done for us. That all of these lists, and it's not exhaustive by any means, but but this list is, is things that Christ has done for us. And because he's done these things for us, he's modeled these things for us, he now wants to do these things through us. Because what Christ has done for us, he now wants to do through us. He now wants to do through us. And so how do we do this? How do we live these things out? Let me tell you, first, it's a thing called grace-driven effort, okay? There's a part of you that has to make a conscious decision. Okay, I want to pursue living the life motivated by the gospel, but it's all by God's grace. Are you going to get it perfect every time? No. Are we going to uh, fall short sometimes? Yes, but by God's grace, every single day, I'm being, my mind and my heart is being renewed in Christ Jesus. And I'm pursuing Him more and more every day. And so it's this grace-driven effort this grace-driven effort. If we want our lives to be filled with the fullness of Jesus, then one of the things that we have to learn to do is we have to fill it with Jesus' followers. If we want our lives to be filled with the fullness of Jesus, we have to fill our lives with one another. Because it is only with, we, our lives are filled with one another and we can speak the truth of the gospel into one another's life over and over and over again. That we can grow into the fullness of who He is. We are messy people. We're not perfect. We are going to fail at times. But together, together, we can help one another pursue the one who is perfect. That we have to do life in community. This is why we have Monday night groups happening, right? So it's so a men's group and a women's group that meet every other Monday night. That is for your good. Help one another grow in the fullness of Jesus. Okay. In January, we're going to be rolling out some more opportunities for some other community groups that are meeting on other nights of the week. And so, so, so we're, we're moving that way so we can because we believe that we have to live in community together in order to grow into the fullness of Jesus. We need each other. We need each other. This is what we must do. And so here's, as I finish up, can you imagine? Can you imagine how countercultural we would seem if we actually lived these things out? Can you imagine how the, the, how the world would be able to take notice? That, that as we gather and then we scatter throughout the week to, 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 the, to the workplaces God has placed us, to the neighborhoods God's put us in, how the, the, the school's kids that the God has placed you in, in the, the co-op groups, homeschool kids, uh, like in all of these things and spheres, right? Like if we begin to live these things out and we begin to uh, pursue this together, how this would make a ripple effect in our communities, in our world we live in, man, what is different about you guys? Well, it's just a person named Jesus who I found. He's changing everything. What does that look like for you this week? What does it look like for you to pursue Jesus this week? I think that those are good things for you to think through and wrestle. So, if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I'm thankful that you're here this morning. It's, It's Um, And and ultimately, ultimately we just want to make much of Jesus together. We want to be filled with the fullness of who He is. We want to grow into Him in every way, and we have to do that together. We have to do that in connection with one. We have to learn to, 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 to every single day have our minds renewed, to every single day put off the old and put on the new. And so maybe today for you, maybe that looks like maybe, maybe that looks like some time. You just need to spend some time while we sing here a little bit. You just need to confess some things to God. Um, maybe you need to get some things off your chest to to a to a friend. I would just encourage you to do that. Feel, feel free to confess those things. Maybe, maybe, maybe for others it's you've been holding on to a grudge. You've been holding on to unforgiveness. You've been hurt by someone, and you've just refused to, to, to let it to, to to move towards them in forgiveness. And I would just say that maybe today's the day you just confess that to the Lord, and maybe you just need to decide in your heart today that I will be forgiving of this person. God, help me to forgive. Help me not to hold on to this any longer. I want me to lay it at your feet, Lord. I want me to, to, to forgive them like you've forgiven me, God. Maybe, maybe you're just angry all the time. You're, you're like, like you're just angry and you're not even sure why you're angry. You're just every at the, the smallest thing you snap at people. And I would just, I would just say, maybe, maybe today, you just need to confess that to the Lord. You just need to say, Jesus, I don't want to be angry anymore. Help me give me maybe you tell lies all the time maybe, maybe maybe you maybe you are stealing in some way i just tell you that that in first john chapter 1 verse 9 john tells us that, that if we would confess our sin that if we would be in this as christians and that that if we would be in continual confession to god that he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of all unrighteousness, that we don't have to hide our junk from God because He already knows and He already paid for it in full on the cross. So we can run to Him today and say, God, I need you. Forgive me. Heal me. Help me. Heal me. I need you. I need you. I need you. And it's this pursuit of Him today. We don't have to hide our stuff anymore. May we run Full, all out abandoned towards him today. If you need to talk to somebody, I would love to talk to you before you leave today. If you're here and you never put your faith in Jesus, I would love to tell you about how you can begin a relationship with Jesus today. And you can know beyond a shadow of doubt that you will spend eternity with him forever. So Jesus, I thank you for this group of people that have gathered in this room this morning. I, I, I thank you that, that we get to be here we get to open up your word and we get to encourage one another. I pray, Lord, that, that even in, uh, that people wouldn't rush out of here today. I know there's other things going on in our lives, but I pray that we would just allow our, our hearts and our minds to linger here. Father. we get a cup of coffee, encourage one another in you. Spend time being, being the church together. Because it's not all about this event we attend on Sunday. It's not all about this, but it's about life together. It's about pursuing you together. I pray, Lord, that that whatever apprehensions may exist in someone's heart and mind today, um, for whatever reason they're holding on to whatever sin it is, I pray that they would run to you with full of faith and lay it at your feet, trusting that you are able to handle it. I pray, Lord, that, that every single person in here would know, Lord, that their imperfections haven't caught you off guard. That's why you sent Jesus in the first place pray, Lord, that that every person in here that's imperfect and and, and incomplete and still messing up and still struggling, would know that we love them, that we are for them. And I pray, Lord, that as we go out this way, the world would take notice that there is something different about who we are and whose we are. Jesus, we need you. May we live a life full of abandonment to knowing you more and making much of you. In Jesus' name. Amen.